Well, what a busy family Sunday, hasn't it been? We've had um, Distinguished Service Award, we've had Communion, we've had Memorial Roll. There's been a lot going on in the family today. And so we're just going to keep that rolling because there's more going on in the family. So Ron and Geneva Von Bargen, are, there you are back there. Could you guys stand? A little birdie told me that your 50th anniversary was this weekend. Congratulations. And then um, Lindsay and Jared Mantell, is, is Silas with us this morning? Why don't you guys stand? We want to introduce to you Silas Logan Mantell for the first time. He's getting out. Congratulations. And then also, this morning at 7.56 a.m., Greta Charney Badenhop was born. And we have a picture of her, I think. There she is, 7.56 a.m. this morning. And so, man, what a family Sunday. What, what a celebration that we're having today. And so we're going to continue on into our series on the family business now. Um, last week, we, we talked about the fact that we are representatives of the family business, that everything we do represents God, represents the kingdom, represents the church, and represents Westchester Church. And, and the calling last week was to be faithful representatives of God's kingdom. You are representatives of God's kingdom with everything that you do. Well, this morning, I want to expand on that a little bit, and as Pastor Deb said, we're going to talk about something that I, I have a lot of conversations about at this time of year, and that is legacy. Does anyone know why I have a lot of conversations about legacy at this time of year? I'll give you a hint. I'm a sports fan. I'll give you a hint. I'm a basketball fan. NBA Finals is coming up. Somebody was here last night. Thank you. That's the only reason she knew that. The NBA Finals starts, I believe, on uh, Thursday of this week, Thursday or Friday. And, and the reason we talk about legacy at this time of year is because there might be a guy that you've heard of named LeBron James, and he's playing again in the finals this year. And so every year around this finals time, my friends and I start having these conversations about the legacy of LeBron James. Is he the greatest player ever? No. Is he one of the greatest players ever? Probably. And we start to talk about that. And what legacy is he leaving behind? Well, today, I want to talk about our legacy. And this ties in with what we talked about last week of representing the family business well. But today, I want to take that a step further and talk about our legacy and how we can leave a legacy that will last on this weekend, we celebrate those that have given everything for our country and for our freedom. And just a bit ago, we honored those in our church who have run the... Just a, just a little bit ago, we honored those that have run the race and have crossed the finish line and have set that example for us. And the truth of the matter is, over the past few months and years, we've lost a lot of great members of our church. And that's hard. It's hard to lose loved ones. It's hard to have funerals for loved ones. But can I just tell you, one of my favorite parts of funerals is when we take the time to share stories about the people that have passed on. 
I love it when we open it up and we take the mic and we walk around and, and we hear from their kids, we hear from family, but we hear from friends and people in the congregation and people in the community that, that these people have, have touched their lives. That time is awesome, and it's a time for us to get a glimpse into the legacy that those people have left. What did they leave behind? And I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about inheritance of of possessions or anything like that. I'm talking about what did they leave behind to all of us that are still here? How did they change and impact our lives? A quote that I came up on um, when I was preparing for this was, it's by William James. It says this, the great use of life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. The great use of life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. The truth of the matter is, none of us will live forever. I I knew a guy from Kentucky, and he used to say, my goal is to live forever, and so far, so good. But the truth of the matter is, none of us will live forever. And so when, when we're spending time on earth... The the greatest use of our life is to spend it on something that will outlast us, something that will keep going after us. And the thing I love about most of the funerals that we have here at Westchester Church, it's hard to lose good people, but the thing I love is that almost every time we celebrate somebody's life, do you know what we're celebrating? We're celebrating an example that was set We're celebrating people that poured their lives into others and represented the family business well and left a legacy for those behind them. I love hearing kids and grandkids and friends talk about how that person changed their lives. Ruth Wiseman was one of the ones we celebrated with Memorial Roll, and just over a month ago we had her funeral. And one of the things that was said over and over again was that she was an ambassador of WCN, or WCCN is what it was. She was an ambassador. She represented us well. And we hear people talk about the influence that she had on their lives. And and here's the truth for you. You're not going to last forever. And when you pass on, There are two ways that you can be looked at. We can look at you for your money and your possessions and your accomplishments and all of those things, and and that's all good, but that doesn't last. Those things are all temporary. Or we can look at you for the way that you've changed people's lives, the way that your legacy will continue on, and that is the way that life is supposed to be Lived. And so I want to start by asking you a question this morning. What kind of legacy will you leave? Think about that. What kind of legacy will you leave? Will it be one of, hey, they were great, they did really well, but, but you know, that's all, that's all good and gone? Or will it be, man, they changed my life. They made a difference in this world and in our lives. Well, so I want to jump into, uh, back into our story. We've been working through the story in the Old Testament of the Israelites as they journeyed to and into the promised land. And so I want to jump back into that because in that story is maybe the greatest example that we have of a legacy left. One of the greatest stories of legacy that we have, and that's the story of Moses. Moses. 
And so we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 34 today, but first, I think we need to go and set that up by jumping into Exodus chapter 18. And so let's just set the background here. Moses had been called by God to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage, and they went out and they journeyed. We talked about the journey earlier this year and talked about that long process of journeying through the desert. They struggled. They, they saw God's faithfulness and miracles. They, they overcame things, and they, they're, they're journeying through the desert, and Moses is leading them. And so in Exodus 18, we're in the middle of this, and it's in verse 13. It says this, the next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all of these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. This work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. So let's stop there. Moses has been called by God. Moses leads the Israelites out of Egypt. God is working miracles, and Moses is doing a great job leading, and he's journeying through the desert, and he's being faithful to God, but all of a sudden we see a problem, and that's this. Moses is doing everything. He's the judge. He's the leader. He's the miracle guy. He's doing everything. And his father-in-law, Jethro, comes to him and says, there's something wrong here. Now, let me stop and tell you that this text is used in every Christian leadership class that I have ever taken. When we went through the master's program at Mount Vernon a few years ago, every single class that had anything to do with leadership talked about this text because this is an example of how we need to learn how to lead and how to leave a legacy. And so Moses was awesome. He was doing great things. He was leading. He was, like we talked about last week, representing the family business well. But, as Jethro pointed out, he was not developing other leaders. And so there's a couple problems with this. This model of leadership is not a good model because if one person is doing everything, guess what happens? As Jethro said, you're going to get overloaded. You're going to get burnt out. Everyone's going to get tired. There's a saying around churches that 20% that, um, of the people do 80% of the work. And the truth of the matter is, it shouldn't be one person or five people or 20% of the people doing the work. It should be all of us working together to lead the family business. We'll get worn out. We'll get tired. But there's a second part of that. If all of the weight of the family business, if everything is on one person, if Moses is doing everything for the Israelites, an important question has to be asked. What happens if that person moves on? What happens if that person is taken out of leadership? What will happen to the Israelites? 
Nobody will be able to step up and lead because it's been Moses this whole time. And so even though he was God's chosen leader, even though he was a great man that did amazing things, even though he had accomplished a lot, his father-in-law came to him and said, you're missing the mark. Have any of your father-in-laws ever come to you and said, hey, you're missing the mark? Anyone? No? No one wants to admit that? All right. So, so Jethro comes to Moses and says, hey, man, you're great and all, but you're missing it because it's more than just representing the business well. It's developing future leaders. It's making sure that other people are a part of this family business. And so he took Jethro's advice and he began to delegate to others. After this text, we see that he puts other people in place to judge and to lead in different areas. And he starts to pour his life into different people and develop leaders. And one of those people's, people is Joshua. Now, we've talked about Joshua over the last few weeks. Joshua was going to lead after Moses, but, but Moses at this point started to intentionally invest in Joshua. And so here are just a few ways that Joshua came into leadership. Number one, he was chosen to lead the Israelite army against the Amalekites. He went out and led them into battle. This actually happened right before this moment with Jethro. And then we see later on in Exodus in chapter 24 that he goes up the mountain with Moses to receive the Ten Commandments. And so in a very intimate moment, in a moment where Moses is going before God, Joshua is with him. Then we see that Joshua guarded the tent of meeting where Moses would go in and meet God face to face, and Joshua was there with him. And so you're starting to get the picture that when we go from a guy, Moses, who's doing everything on his own, all of a sudden, everything that Moses does, we're seeing someone else there, Joshua, and he's investing. Joshua was one of the 12 spies that they sent into the promised land to check it out. He's one of the two that came back with a good report and was faithful to know that God would lead them. And so we see Moses change his leadership from just representing well to investing in others. And so after the incident with Jethro, Moses understood this, and we need to understand this this morning. Leadership is more than getting the job done. Leadership is training future leaders that will carry on after you. Leadership is more than getting the job done. Leadership is training future leaders that will come after you and carry on. When we talk about legacy, there's two sides of it. There's representing well, and there's investing in the future. And so we pick up our story back in Deuteronomy chapter 34 at the end of Moses' life, and it says this, Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land, from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev and the whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land that I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes but you will not cross over into it. Now let's stop here. This is tough, right? I mean, Moses had done a lot. 
Moses had been faithful to the call. He had gone to Pharaoh time and again, which was a dangerous position to be in. He had led the Israelites. These Israelites over 40 years were complainers, and they were grumbling, and they were hungry, and they were tired. And Moses was faithful throughout this whole time to be a good leader for them. But all of a sudden, towards the end, when the spies get sent in, Moses lacks faith. And so God says, this is an incredible scene to me, because what happens here is God takes Moses up on on the mountain, and he says, hey, check this out. This is the promised land. This is what we've been doing all this time. This is our journey all this time has been to come here. And by the way, you don't get to go. And that's rough, isn't it? Moses had been so faithful, and had had some struggles But God showed him the land and said, you will not cross over into it. Let's keep reading. In verse 5, it says, And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where the grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died. Yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, we've heard Joshua, Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded him. Moses had been faithful for so long And Moses, I think when he went up on Mount Nebo and God showed him the promised land, I think there's a couple different ways that Moses could have reacted. I think Moses could have looked at that promised land and said, God, I did so much. You're not going to let me go in? I've led us this far. Why wouldn't you let me go into the promised land? But what we see from Moses is that he's faithful. And he says he understands that this is about God's kingdom. And so he relents and lets Joshua take the people in. And I think when Moses went up on that mountain... It wasn't a feeling of, man, I'm getting gypped, but I think Moses must have been up there, and if he was anything like me, he was probably standing up there with tears flowing down his face, thinking about the journey that they'd been on, thinking about all they'd been through, and knowing that God was going to deliver his people to the promised land. Here's the thing. What we see from Moses is that, that he wasn't perfect. He messed up. And because of that, he wouldn't enter into the promised land. And so the first thing that we learn from Moses is this. You don't have to be perfect to lead. Even in struggles, you can lead toward the future. It wasn't just when things were going good that Moses was leading. It was in the difficult times of knowing that he wouldn't be going into the promised land. Let me stop here and say some of you this morning might think that you're not good enough to lead. Some of you this morning may have messed up and you think you've missed your opportunity and you think, oh, I'm never going to make it to that promised land and so I'm not capable to lead. But here's the thing. Moses showed us that if we are faithful, even in our struggles, we can play a part in the building of the kingdom. And when God took Moses up before the promised land, I think Moses was probably joyful thinking about what God was going to do for his people. Listen, I've been a pastor's kid almost my whole life. When I was two years old, my dad became the youth pastor at Springdale. And then when I was seven, we moved to Texas, and and he became the senior pastor at Arlington First Church. And ever since then, my father's been a pastor. 
And for years and years, that's 33 years now, I've, I've seen my dad minister. I've heard thousands of sermons. I've seen him do many different things in ministry. I've heard prayer after prayer and long prayer after long prayer. And I've seen him minister. But do you know what? Some of the most important example that I've gotten from my dad was not when he was standing in the pulpit. It's not when everything was perfect Some of the best leading and investing that my dad has done in me was when everything was falling apart and he was faithful to answer the call when it wasn't the promised land, but it was the struggle of knowing you're not there. And he was faithful to minister. Even in your greatest struggles, you can be faithful and lead. And even in Moses' mistake of lacking faith and even in missing out on the promised land, Moses was leading and was working for the future. Let's fast forward a little bit and take a look at, at a different example. Joshua, who took over for Moses, led the Israelites into the promised land, and he was a faithful leader. But in Judges chapter 2, verses 8 to 10, it says this, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath Harry's in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. After that, a whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. After that, whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what the Lord had done for Israel. Did you hear the difference between those two legacies that were left? Both Moses and Joshua were faithful leaders. Both of them led the Israelites a long way. Both of them had long lives of leading and being faithful. But one of them at the end, when he passed on, there was somebody else that was ready to take that mantle and lead the people further and follow God further. But when when Joshua passes away, There's nobody. And it says a whole generation grew up not knowing the Lord. Listen, representing the business well is only a part of our legacy. If you are not taking steps to ensure that the business will carry on after you, then you're missing the mark. Which brings us to some important parts of legacy. And the first one is this. Leadership is a temporary assignment. Leadership is is a temporary assignment. You will not be leading forever. We talked earlier, you will not be alive forever. You will not be in positions of leadership forever. We are mortal. And just as Moses learned the hard lesson that he had to invest in somebody that would carry on after him, we need to understand that in our family business, we will not be leading it forever. And so we have to understand that this is a temporary assignment, and we have to invest in the future. We have to invest in the future generations. There's another quote I ran up on. It said this, All good men and women must take responsibility to create legacies that will take the next generation to a level we could only imagine. Think about that. Moses goes up on the mountain, and and the Israelites have come so far, and he's looking at the promised land. But guess what? He had done the hard work of setting them up to continue on into the promised land. He had created a legacy that didn't stop with him, 
but that kept going. And Joshua took the mantle and led them into the promised land. Let me ask you this this morning. Do you have a Joshua in your life? Is there somebody that you are pouring your life into? Is there somebody that when you're gone, they will step up and continue working for the family business? Some of you may be in actual, in, in, in the business world working uh, and owning a business or working as an employee in, in a business and, and you work, and maybe you're in leadership. Is there a Joshua that you're training to take your place? For all of us here in the church, we talk about our family business, and listen, I think you guys represent the family business well, but are you pouring into a Joshua that when we're gone, the next generation will step up and take this church and this kingdom to places that we could never dream? Are you investing in the future? Leadership is a temporary assignment. We have to invest in the future. The second thing is this, as leaders, we are stewards of God's family business. I don't know if that one made it in the notes. As leaders, we are stewards of God's family business. Leadership is a temporary assignment. It's temporary, and it's an assignment. And so as an assignment, as leaders, we are stewards of this assignment that God has given us. Here's the thing. This family business we're talking about, this kingdom, they don't say Alex's kingdom. They don't say Alex's church. They don't say Alex's this or that. It's God's kingdom. It's not ours. We are just stewards of God's kingdom and God's family business. It's not about us. This is bigger than us. We don't own this business. We're just stewards. We're part of the family. And for a temporary time, we have the opportunity to lead in the family business, to lead in God's kingdom. It's not about what we are doing. It's about what God is doing. And so here's the thing. Stewardship leads to selflessness. Ownership leads to selfishness. That's difficult to say. Try saying that five times. Not right now, but later. As le um, stewardship leads to selflessness, ownership leads to selfishness. And so what that means is this. When we understand that the family business is not ours, it's not about us, it's God's kingdom, it's God's business, it's God's ministry, it's about God, it helps us become selfless. But when we start to think that it's all about us, when I start to think that it's all about Alex, and this is my thing, and this is my kingdom, and this is my church, and this is my business, guess what starts to happen? You start to make it all about yourself. You start to feel like you have to have things your way. You start, to, you start to think that things have to be done the way you want them done. You start to think that, that everything has to cater to you. Stewardship leads to selflessness. Ownership leads to selfishness. When we view the business as ours, we get caught up in me, but when we view it as God's, we can invest everything we have like the people that we've celebrated today. Even Jesus, our Savior, gave everything for the family business. We are stewards of leadership. The third thing we need to understand about our legacy in this family business is this. Your legacy is being determined right now. Not in 20 years, not five years before you pass away, not when you finish taking leadership. Your legacy is being determined right now. 
Moses didn't wait until the end of his life to start investing in the future. Moses didn't wait until he was done leading to to let Joshua take a chance. Moses was investing for years before that. And, and, And the future is the future, but we are leading now, and we are, we are building our legacy right now. And so I want to ask you, I ask you, do you have a Joshua? Let me ask you this. Are you pouring your life and your ministry and your heart and your family business into somebody because your legacy is being created right now, both with the way you represent the business and with the fact that you invest in the future of the business? Let me ask you two questions. Are you representing the family business well like we talked about last week? Are you somebody that at the end of your life people are going to look at and say, man, that person pointed to Christ. Man, that person was all about the kingdom. And then the second question, are you investing in future generations so that when your time is done, there will be another generation that will rise up and take leadership? This weekend... We honor those that have given everything. We honor those that have given their lives for our country. Today in church, we've honored those that have lived their lives for the kingdom and have passed away. And here's the thing, because of those that have gone before us, we are where we are now. And it would be, it would be disgraceful and shameful if we did not leave legacies that continued what they did. It would be disgraceful if we just represented well, but we didn't invest in our future. So let's honor the legacies that we've talked about this morning by investing in the future, by leading well, by building this family. For those of you that are here today, we talked about the past, but here's the thing. Every single one of you here today is a member of either now, the present leadership, or the future leadership. Raise your hand if you, you think you are presently leading the kingdom of God in the church. I need to see a lot of hands. Come on, you can do better than that. All right, I need to, okay, we need to work on that. That's next week's sermon maybe. Um, you are the present. You are leading right now. And it is your job to create a legacy and invest in the future. You need to find a Joshua to pour your life into. And do we have any teens, kids in here? Any at all? Raise your hand if you're a teen or a kid or a young adult. Anybody. This is the future. Those hands that you saw go up are who you need to be investing in. My children, I have four kids that are a part of the future of God's kingdom, and I need you to invest in them. Our children, our youth, our young adults are the future, and we have to invest in them the way that Moses invested in Joshua so that they're ready to take the reins and take us to places that we can't even imagine because God's kingdom doesn't stop with us. It continues on. It goes into the promised land. And God is constantly working and changing our world. The family business has been going on for a long time. It went from Moses to Joshua. It went from Jesus to the disciples. It went from the people that we've honored today to us. And now it needs to go from us to future generations Let's leave a legacy of love and faithfulness for this family business, but let's pour into the future 
so that it'll go to places that we can't even imagine because God is going to do awesome things through this church and this family business. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come before you today and we thank you that we are a part of your family business. We thank you that we have the opportunity to lead. We thank you that you've given us um, the opportunity to pour our lives into others. And as we look at the legacy of others and as we celebrated the legacy of Jesus, of you giving your life for us, Lord, I pray that you would call us to give everything we have for you. I pray that you would give us the, the wisdom to invest our love and our faithfulness, our representation of the family business. I pray that you would give us the wisdom to invest it in our young people. I pray that these teens that raise their hands, I pray that the children that are back in the children's wing, our young adults, that we would be pouring our hearts and our lives into them. Because, Lord, I believe you want to do awesome things. So, Lord, let us represent you well. Lord, I pray that each one of us would leave a legacy that's not just about how well we did or, or what we achieved or what we built, but that we would leave a legacy that's pouring into the future. Lord, be with us and be with our family business. In thy name, amen.